that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond, and we have Bart Boo Shots back with programming by Stealth Four of X. What are we going to talk about today, Bart? Well, we're going to continue our, our little discovery of HTML tags. So if we rewind back one episode, we talked about the fact that there were two vague groupings of tags. You have this concept of a block-level tag, which starts a new chunk of the page, basically pretty much always starts a new line. So a heading, a paragraph, a list, a block quote, those are block-level tags. And we looked at those last time. And we mentioned the existence of these other kinds of tags called inline tags. And so an inline tag affects a part of a block. And so it doesn't start a new line. It doesn't start a new block. It just affects some bits of your block of content. Okay. And so this time we're going to look at some of the most common inline tags. Goody. Uh, These are fun. Yes. So the first and most common used of them are the inline tags for drawing attention to text. And for fear of sounding like a stuck record... I am going to remind you that the whole point of HTML is for semantic markup. So you shouldn't be thinking in how it should look. You should be thinking in terms of what you're trying to achieve. So don't think, I want to make this bold. Think, I want to make this strong. I want to make this text more standout-ish than the text around it. I want to make it strong. Or you want to emphasize it. So the two tags are strong and EM for emphasis. And by default, the strong tag makes things bold, but that is entirely changeable by CSS. And by default, the EM tag makes things italic, but that is entirely changeable by CSS. Okay, so you could say in your CSS, mean, when I want to emphasize something, I want it red and 18 point. Yeah, that's probably better for strong, actually, to make it bigger than everything else. Well, but uh, you get my point. Is is yes. it it exactly. defaults to italics, but that doesn't mean it has to be italics. I yeah, have a so big... maybe you could say normally my text is black. Uh, this text I want to make half fifty fifty gray. Okay, you know the way italic is sort of like less heavy, so fifty fifty gray seems like oh, another way. You could I think it. of it as I think it is a strongish kind of thing, if not strong. I do have a problem with them with the emphasis tag, though. I made a critical mm-hmm. error on iOS. I made em be my shortcut for my email address, oh. and it has propagated into my Mac, and I cannot kill it. What I'm going to have to do is turn off all of my devices, turn off the uh, the iCloud stuff talking to each other on every single device at the same time delete it everywhere and then hopefully turn it back on because every time i type em it types allison at podfeet.com oh and lots of times i don't notice <laughs> Ooh, yeah that'll make very bad html markup <laughs> oh. luckily <laughs> luckily uh, mars edit is doing it for me i can just type uh uh or actually it might be uh well, text expander can do it for text you too, expander that i'm doing comma em yeah anyway yes Moving on. Yes. Okay. So think strong and EM. There do exist from, for legacy reasons, tags whose names I will not even mention for explicitly bolding stuff. Just don't use those. Therefore, I'm not going to mention what they are. Okay. So just think strong and EM. Uh, Another thing you may want to do is to make a piece of text, either superscript or subscript, which you often need that for scientific notations. Yeah. And the commands for that are sup for super. And sub for subscript. Oh, that's cool. I did not know those. So sub and sub. 
then the next thing you may want to do, particularly if your website is a blog or something like that, if it has articles of some sort, is highlight content changes without so using the correct tags. And you know, so basically, if you imagine you're writing for the New York Times and you need to correct an article, you don't for the New York Times is considered spectacularly bad practice to delete actual stuff from a new story from yesterday and add a new stuff without drawing attention to it. Okay. So you're supposed to say, this bit I've taken out and this bit I've added in. And so there are actually HTML tags for marking text as being an insertion and a deletion. So, so that you, you can don't go... use strike through? Ah, well, by default, the Dell tag is rendered a strike through. Ah, that's what I use... just fell right into your little trap. I saw it. <laughs> Again, so what you're doing is you're marking up what it is, and then you use your CSS to decide how to render it. So Dell is for stuff you've deleted, and ints is for stuff you've inserted. By default, Dell is done as a strikethrough. Um, I like to have it in my CSS that it's a strikethrough and in red. And insert by default is an underline, but I actually like to make it green, because I think that's more obvious that red has gone away and green has come in. But again, you use the Dell and ints tags, and then later in the CSS, you get to decide how you want to display that fact, if you get what I mean. And then the last inline tag I want to draw attention to is the code tag. So most Wait, of the can content... I you, can I ask you a question? You yeah, absolutely. You skipped something here. How do you close right. those tags like sup and sub? I seem oh. to be slash sup, but that didn't work. It should do. It must be a typo somewhere because they are normal HTML tags. So okay. sub, sub. Oh, I put space slash sub didn't work. Oh. Yes, yes. So you like syntax. me to have a space there. No, no, that's for the self-closing tags. Oh, jeez. Like your BR, which is the self-closing tag. Oh, jeez. Okay. Remember that, Allison. Self-closing tags have a space for no apparent reason, but they don't have to. Yeah, but it looks really weird if your tag has a has a slash just mushed straight into the end of it. Remember, the self-closing tag, the slash is the last thing in the tag. Oh, God. I, how do I keep this straight, Bart? Practice? Doesn't work? Well, I've been doing HTML for a little while, but I've been, uh, yeah. Yeah, so you're in the worst position. You have to unlearn one habit and learn another habit. That's actually way harder than just learning a habit. Yeah. Well, I used command return in feeder to put in a break. So I never typed it myself ever. Yeah, so it would be your space slash. Okay. If you want, yeah. You will get used to it because you're going to get, you're going to do a lot more. As we move into some of the more advanced topics, you're going to start typing a lot more stuff by hand and I promise you will get used to it. I predict for the listeners that when we're on episode 126 of H, you'll hear me going, wait, wait, does the space go in it or not, Bart? <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. All right. Okay, so the last tag I want to mention on the inline tags is the tag, which is the name of the code tag. And I'm going to explain why you care about this tag. So for most of the time when you're writing stuff on a web page, it's, it's text. It's, it's English or French or German, whatever language you're speaking. And so you like to use a font that is, you know, a normal text font. And these are generally variable width fonts. And in a lot of these fonts, particularly the sans serif fonts, you actually can't tell the difference between an uppercase I and a lowercase L <laughs> or an uppercase O and a zero. But it doesn't matter because when you're writing in a language, the context just gives it all away. You're not wondering, is it lowercase or is it I overcase? You know, it's lowercase. And. So that's all fine as long as what you're typing is 
is words in a language. But if you actually want to say, click on the button labeled blah, or go to directory called blah, all of a sudden, this really matters. You need to be precise. You need to be exact. Every letter should stand out on its own merits. So how do you achieve that? Well, the answer is you put the code tag around it because the code tag defines a region of text as needing to be rendered in, in, a, in a way you can see it exactly. And I use the code tag all over my tutorials. So the whole way through this tutorial, every time you've seen the name of a tag, you'll have noticed it's in a fixed width font and blue. Uh-huh. That's because I have surrounded all of the names of tags with the code tag because I want you to be able to see exactly every letter. Oh, I thought... Oh, okay. No, no, no. I'm thinking of a different tag. Okay. Cool. Okay. By the way, guess what? I'm never going to learn what you just taught me because I just figured out that Adam that you told me to use, if you just type the word code, it spits it out for you. Open and close tag and leaves your cursor in the middle. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Never going to learn it. (laughs) That may actually be text expander doing that for you. I checked. That's what I thought it would be. But no, it's got the delete tag and super uh, superscript. It's it's doing them all. Cool. Therefore, I will never learn. Ha ha. Well, you're going to see it all the time. So you will That's learn. true. It hasn't sunk in yet, Barton. Okay. Well, anyway, by default, uh, the code tag renders in a fixed-width font. So whatever your, your default fixed-width font is. So often Courier New, I think, is very popular. That's because that's uh, the nerdy-looking, looks-like code font, right? Yeah. yeah. And the reason the code is written in that font is because it matters if it's an O or a zero or a capital I or a lowercase l. In code, it really matters. So all code is done fixed-width. And fix, yeah, uh, well, and fixed with helps you line stuff up too. Yes, it does, which makes you spot all sorts of typos. So yeah, yeah. fixed width is good for many reasons. Uh, so by default, that's just a fixed width font. But again, CSS, uh, like a stuck record, but we're getting close to CSS. So uh, it'll cease to be a stuck record soon. But CSS can be used to change what it does. So again, I've made my navy blue and fixed width because I just prefer, I like to make them stand out by having them a different color. Yeah, yeah. I never knew you did that in CSS. That's cool. That is a single line, a little single line of CSS just to do that. Yeah. We're going to learn all this soon. Someday. So, as a final example, I've put together a little sample web page again. Uh, so remember to start your server. This is what oh. I believe you've asked me to say at this point. Yep. Which I forgot to do. Okay. Uh, create a folder called PBS4 in your HGDocs folder for your web server. I did do that part. And then we're going to create a file called index.html with the content of the code section here on the web page. So again, if you click on the little icon that has two pages next to each other, it'll remove all the fluff and automatically select all of the code for you. There we go. Paste it. And in. then paste it in and save okay. it. Oh, save to. There you go. There's a way to go. All right. And then once it's saved and called index.html, you should be able to go to http colon slash slash localhost forward slash pbs4 forward slash. Oh, this is hard. Uh, let's see. Localhost slash PBS4. Yeah. Do I have to type in index.html? Probably not. You don't have to. Okay. And that should render for you. So what we have here is a sample. We have a heading, just because we learned about that last time. Then we say the ORM terminal command, and we've wrapped ORM inside code tags because mm-hmm. we want it to be, you know, that is... Code? Yeah. That is code, exactly. <laughs> is very powerful, but very dangerous. Once you delete a file with ORM, again, wrapped in code, it is gone. And gone is strong because you want to emphasize the goneness. So that's wrapped in strong tags. There is no undo. If you use ORM, again, wrapped in code tags, and make a mistake, you've lost your files. 
C'est la vie. And it is common practice when speaking in one language and concluding language from another to emphasize the fact that it's a foreign language. So c'est la vie is in EM tags. Because it is French. There you go. I just thought that would be appropriate given <laughs> the week that's in it. Uh, do bear in mind, though, that if you do lose data, you won't, you'll be far from the first person to do so. And the ST is superscript. I love that you can do. I, I absolutely did not know you could do superscript in HTML. That is, it, I should have asked that. <laughs> of course it would well, be there. And then the next paragraph says, this paragraph will be edited. And then inside del tags, this text was deleted. And then inside ints tags, this text was added. And you basically see a strike through and an underline. Oh, very cool. So that is an example of everything but subscript, because I couldn't think of any sensible way to get subscript into the (laughs) conversation. (laughs) How come... Well, while you were talking, when you're describing delete and superscript, of course, I went over and created an index.html file and started goofing around. How come I was able to create that and not put the document type at the top and bottom and HTML and header and all that, and it still worked? Uh, the doc twice? Uh, that, how do you mean it still worked? Because the doc type and all that stuff should be in there. No, but I, I created an empty index.html and I mm-hmm. typed in uh, h. And then put superscript around uh, a two to see I wanted to see h squared. And I double clicked the index.html and it opened and rendered correctly. That is because browsers are very forgiving. Okay. So that is invalid HTML, but browsers assume that web developers are silly. <laughs> so remember we talked about falling into quirks mode? Yeah. You fell into quirks mode. Oh, okay. All right, so don't misbehave. So that works, but don't do that because that will bite you on the backside when we start to do, well, stuff like CSS because you're going to lose context of stuff. And also when you come to do JavaScript later, absolutely all bets are off when you start falling into quirks mode. Just like, yeah, not good. Okay. So I would say it is just because it works, don't necessarily do it because browsers, browsers try to be forgiving, which sounds like a good thing. Sounds like that's in your favor. But actually, it makes your life absolute hell because different browsers are forgiving in different ways. So once you fall into that quirks mode, there is no consistency anymore because everyone has decided to make a second guess at what you meant. Okay. So do you have a uh, a um, text expander snippet that puts all that glop in for you each time and leaves your I cursor do. waiting at title? Yes, I do. Uh, the, my technique for doing these kind of snippets for HTML is that I have whatever the name of the tag is and then a less than sign as my expandy snippet. So I just type HTML5 open bracket and it blops in my entire page template and puts the cursor in the right place. Okay, okay, cool. And similarly, I have like H1 angle bracket for create a H1 tag and pop the cursor in the right place. Oh, well, those, yeah, those are all built in to text expander. With, they're not. Uh, they're built in with commas, and I can't stand commas. Commas are too useful to have used up in snippets. Huh. A comma right before a letter is common? Well, it is when you type as badly as me. <laughs> okay. All right. Sold. <laughs> it also means you can't start your snippets with numbers, because commas before numbers is very common. Oh, yeah. In, in Europe. Mm. Oh, well, you guys, too. Well, actually, just... in the middle of like 10,000. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so that actually is it. Because, again, you, you've asked me to keep these into manageable size chunks. So I have kept these little small chunks. Uh, and so the next stage here, we have... Wait. 
I'm trying to decide, basically, how keen are you? I can reorder the next four segments are reorderable. And the question is, how soon do you want me to go to CSS? Hmm. So I could go straight to CSS now, or we could do images next time. Images are pretty fun. It seems like images and text should go together. Okay. And then the other one that we probably should do before CSS is links. But we can do it after if you prefer. Uh, I think you should torture me a little bit longer and make us do okay. uh and and we can probably do a couple together because this is uh this has only gone about 16 minutes so far so in spite images of how much i interrupted you yeah. what's that yeah, so images and links we can do together then so we get those done together and then we can jump to css okay okay that'll be fun so maybe if uh people have any questions they should send those on in to us and uh at allison at and we can answer questions if there's things that didn't make sense here definitely send the, those on over and um and let us know yeah and also because you're listening to this the first time through you actually have the advantage you can if we've skipped over something that we should have emphasized more Now's the time to tell us because, you know, before we get 10 episodes in, whereas if you're listening back five years from now, you can't do that. <laughs> yes, because this stuff doesn't change too often. So this is, this is uh, I think they call this an evergreen topic. I think so. I think given how long it took HTML5 to get special standardized, I think it was like a decade of bureaucracy. So I think we're <laughs> well, 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 well short of HTMS, HTML6. All right, Bart. Well, this has been fun. Uh, I like learning this. You know, like I said, I've I've learned a fair amount of it, but I've learned it in a, you know, bang around and only learn what I need to know right that minute kind of a way, not a methodical making sense sort of path. Yeah, and I'm a big believer that if you understand why something is the way it is, it's easier to understand. It's easier to remember. Yeah, yeah, definitely. If you've got logic behind it versus just pure memorization. Now, unfortunately, with some of this web stuff, the answer to the why is just cause. But a lot of it, there is some sense to it. So we'll, we'll elucidate the sense when and where we get the sense. Like we're going to talk about links next time. And links is a classic example of there is no sense. <laughs> a. The tag is A. What exactly has A got to do with linking? Shut up. <laughs> Shut up and type it, right? Um, when you do get into images, the thing I mm-hmm. am continuously fighting with is how to get some space around my images when I insert them. So I like okay. a little bit of a little bit of uh, right. gap. I've tried margin. I've tried different things, and I, I don't always seem to get consistent results with that. And so hopefully... Okay. What I'm going to tell you is that's a, to do that well and to do that in a way that doesn't make your head explode... You're going to need CSS. Ah, yes, yes, you will. But you're not going to tell me about CSS next week because I talked to you into week after. Yeah. doing images and links next week. All right. Yeah, well, the if- thing is, it, it will be actually because of the order we're doing things in, CSS will make more sense. And then you're, you're going to spend a lot less time fighting with your blog theme. Oh, good, good, good. Yes, my new blog theme. That's on our list of things to do too, Bart. <laughs> Our list of things to do is much longer than the amount of time we have, which is a good way to be. I'd hate to be in a place where I don't know, oh, what, what should I do? Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. No, we, we are not going to run into that problem. And by the way, I have been thinking about, um, and maybe we do this as a uh, as a as an intermission on programming by stealth, is you said mm-hmm. you wanted me to teach you how to do pivot tables. And I think it would be uh, yes. really fun to, to flip the tables on you. Ha, <laughs> get it? Yeah, no, absolutely. Literally. <laughs> but no, you know a lot about Excel and I'm awful at Excel. So I think, you know, it's only fair that you make me not so awful at Excel. That would be fun. Um, we should do a couple things. We should decide which version of Excel we're going to do it in. You can do it in any of them. 
and whether we want to also, this will be sort of like when you say, okay, in Windows, you can also do this. I can say, okay, if you're in uh, Google Docs, here's how you do it. So we yeah. can kind of do a double thing there. Um, I don't know if it matters whether we use the new one or not. I'd have to load the new one up to look. But the other thing I'm going to need from you is a large data set that you care about. Ah, so I need to find me some numbers I want to crunch. Uh, it doesn't have to be numbers. It can be uh, numbers in the sense of, say, all the computers in your network uh, at work with uh, IP addresses and operating systems and, and how much RAM's in the machine and whatever you got. Some giant asset database is really, really fun. Right, okay, so I need to find a collection of information that I'm sure has interest in it, but I can't see it because it's just information. Uh, it's just data right now. So we'll take data yes, and yes, turn yes, it yes, into yes. information when we're done. And perhaps it would be good if the larger public was allowed to see it. <laughs> yes, that's the hard part. I have access to a lot of very cool in data that I would like to turn into information, but none of it I can share with the larger public. Right, so well, I maybe you can to... anonymize it. I didn't, yeah, let me let me create a random that. number generated to do all the IP addresses or something like that. Hmm. Yeah, I I need to let me noodle that one. That's homework for me. All right, I good. Will, I will find something to and and examine when you think of that data. Think about what would I like to know about this data. What would be what would be a good thing to know? For, for example, when I used to do the asset database stuff, I would be able to take this giant file and I could tell you within three minutes how many uh Macs were there in building r7 or i could tell you how many of the computers have more than eight gigs of ram or less than eight gigs of ram how many have not uh touched the network in the last eight weeks you know you can do all kinds of crazy stuff with it but it, it does help to have an idea of what would i like to know what is this now this giant glop that i would like to get information out of excellent so i actually do have an idea of something i want to understand better Cool. Just need to figure out how to anonymize it. Cool. Very cool. Okay. All right, Bart. Well, I guess that's it. Uh, and we'll talk to you again in two weeks. Indeed. And until then, happy computing. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is an unsponsored show. So if you like what you hear, you can help support the show by using the Amazon affiliate link over on podfeed.com. Heck, put a review up on iTunes and tell your friends about the podcast, too. I love feedback, so please do write to me at allison at podfeet.com and join in the conversation with other listeners in our Google Plus community at podfeet.com slash Google Plus. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.